us here. Thank you, Lord. You have a purpose for us being here today, and that is to worship you and lift you up in this place. And so we thank you, Lord, for this place of worship. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to serve this community. We thank you, Lord, for the people who are yet to come and fill this place. And we honor you and we love you. Just give us direction, Lord. Every time we step out to invite people, give us direction. Point to the people that you have already desired to be here. So we honor you, Father, and we love you, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So today we're going to tell you the story of Easter. How's that sound? The story of Easter, a Resurrection Sunday. You know, everybody's trying to give it a different name and all of that I think uh, they think Easter's too pagan you know how it is we go back and read us some some little commentaries of Greek and Hebrew and oh they took that word from the pagans well we take a lot of stuff from them but when it gets to us it's redeemed amen we redeem things God took you from the devil he ain't complaining about that so praise the Lord amen we're, we're redeemed people we don't have to give this day a name we just have to worship God every day amen man i think if we didn't have special holidays people might worship god more often name the points that has come out at christmas and the lilies come out at easter amen so they think them special days what about the other sundays and then the saturday through monday in between they they don't think about that stuff but you know i'm just just putting it out there just putting it out there eight point fingers just putting it out there but anyway john the story of easter really begins with john three sixteen. amen if you'll turn there and we know this scripture for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life you know when Jesus spoke these words them was fighting words because when you told the truth around a religious setting you got in trouble so he stayed in trouble and he was talking to to Nicodemus actually asking him a question and so uh, answering a question that he gave him you know Nicodemus was a, a Pharisee he was a big wig in the church there in the synagogue and it said he came to Jesus by night as so his friends couldn't see him but Jesus said he said I was daily with you in the temple Jesus was in the temple during the daytime how come Nicodemus couldn't come up to him with his friends around with his crew in the house he decided to sneak out at night and, and, and sneak and ask Jesus the question but Jesus being a loving and gracious savior answered him he had patience with him answered his questions and he's letting Nicodemus know that the God that I represent is the same God that you say you worship but I know him as the God of love amen Nicodemus knew the law but he did not know God none of the Pharisees knew God many of them knew of him and knew of his acts and knew of his deeds but they didn't know the character of God and so Jesus comes to show us the character of God he comes to show us what God would be like if he were wrapped up in human flesh and so he invites Nicodemus in and tells him that God so loved the world that he gave his 
only begotten son imagine only one only begotten now we are sons of god but we're made we're created we're handmade handcrafted beings but jesus sprang sprang forth from the father the only begotten that's what begotten means it means that he sprang forth from the father we were created by the father and so he's his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him that means greek Gentile at that time it was Jew, Gentile, Greek, uh, wherever you were from. If you could believe, you could receive Christ. And it's the same thing now. God will save a Muslim. You know, he died for him too. He died for all of these people. He died for the Catholic. We used to be Catholic, some of us. He died for the Protestant, for the Christian, the one who calls himself a Christian. He died for all men. He doesn't care what label you put on yourself. And he doesn't care what false God you claim to serve he's the god he will save you i mean he saves everybody all you got to do is believe so we believe to receive eternal life and we're to have life everlasting he said for god did not send his son into the world to condemn the world and people condemn themselves through their unbelief but he said but but that the world through him might be saved he that believes on him is not condemned got me so as long as you keep your faith in god there's no condemnation to you you don't have to feel bad about anything over and over carry around guilt and all that stuff you keep believing god and that lifts off of your life you're you're not condemned you're not stuck anywhere you're not down a bad road and you can't get out that's really what the essence of condemnation it means that you're you're locked into something and can't get out of it you have freedom in Christ. He says, but he that believeth not is condemned already. So it, this is talking to those people who claim to be something else than belonging to God. They're condemned already. And that's why we go out and talk to people. That's why we, we uh, diligently uh witness to people and try to get them to see the light and understand God has died for them and loves them and he wants them into his life and not into their own he says because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God and this is the condemnation that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil so we see that all around us we see people you know they wait till nighttime. some people don't if they don't really have a job that brings them out in the daytime or something like that they don't get up till noon and i find me some clothes so i can get to a club you got me that's the club people and so they wait until dark to do their dark deeds because that's that's their time but god amen he sends light into darkness to expose their deeds to them to bring them to repentance that is the main reason God exposes sin is to bring men to repentance so love is the reason that God does everything you know it starts in John 3:16 that God so loved the world but God his motivation for doing everything is love he is never uh motivated by uh, uh vengeance or wretch- that's not his motivation his motivation is love even though he may have to avenge in some things because his law requires it God does he set his law by love he carries his out love his carries out his law by love 
When God created man, love was the dominant force in the world. There was no uh, rampant sin in the world. It was contained. Satan was the, the author of all sin. He's the father of lies and the author of all sin. But he had no freedom to do what he wanted to do. He had been kicked out of heaven. He had lost his first estate. So he was roaming around the earth looking for a way to get power again. So when God created man, love was the dominant force in the world because God had given man lordship over the earth. So because God's spirit was in Adam and around Adam, Adam was able to manage the world perfectly because love was the dominant force. There's nothing wrong with love. Whenever love prevails, everything's right. It says everything in divine order, everything runs smoothly. There's no 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 damage to anything. Things don't break down, they don't wear out, they don't look bad. Everything's perfect when love prevails. And this is what God really wants for us. He wants love to prevail in everything that we do. Things in the garden grew automatically. Animals lived in harmony with one another and with man because man obeyed God without question. So Adam was the source of love down here on the earth, the secondary source. Of course, you know God is the primary source, but God delegates his image and his likeness, his spirit, his word. He delegates all of that to man. And so man then uh, begins to carry out everything that needs to be done on the earth with the spirit of love. So man obeyed God at that time without question. But there came a a day when man disobeyed God and threw the earth into disorder because now a new evil selfish force entered into the heart of man. So um, Adam then where he used to uh, rule and love and, and he would speak to something and it would happen it would line up perfectly. Now he started talking and things would get damaged and go chaotic and the animals start turning against each other turn against him where he used to be able to talk to animals and they understood and obeyed him that was lost after man fell so there are many things all the things you see on the earth now were present there with Adam so God had to take him out of that garden because there were elements in the garden that would have prolonged his his stay in sin. The Bible says that he was locked out of the garden and God said, lest he eat of the tree of life and live cursed forever. And so Adam then was expelled from the garden. Now Adam and Eve were expelled from the garden and were left to roam the earth and, and hopefully to find their way back to God. So when and when he when he disobeyed God, he threw the earth in a disorder because now an evil, selfish force entered the heart of man, and man began to experience failure, illness, and death. God told him in the day that he ate of that tree, he would surely die. The devil convinced his wife that he wouldn't die, but they wouldn't die, but they would be smart like God was. Uh, they forgot that they were already smart like God was. Amen. God made them in his image, so what else do you need? I mean, that's that's 100% God right there. But in deception, he was able to take their power away from them and then allow a power, a foreign power, 
power of evil to begin to permeate man's soul and, and without help man was, was doomed to live that way except that God did uh, leave a door open for man to come back to him and that, that door was through learning about God all over again where Adam knew God and was familiar with God when he walked with God after he disobeyed God and sin entered into his heart he lost total he was lost he lost contact knowledge understanding of God all his descendants were born and what the Bible says is sin is shaped in iniquity so they had no knowledge of God when you when you sin sin separates you from God you don't even know he exists you know there's something out there you know that that there's something kind of drawing you or you have a need to connect somehow with something or someone spiritually but you can't put a name on it you put I mean darkness is darkness people out there who don't know God don't have a clue what he's like Uh, they don't know uh, what they can expect from him they don't even know they need God they know they need something but they don't know that that something is God and so that's the way Adam was and that's the way Eve was they were dark just like people walking around the streets who were sinning and thinking they're having a good time they were in that type of darkness before God removed them from the garden though he made a promise and this is something that I think connects us to God it's a promise that he's made and that promise gives us something called hope so without hope we see you can be in darkness but if there's hope that's that glimmer of light somewhere deep inside of you in, in your soul and in your mind somewhere that that is a, a it's almost like a, um, a little small candle in a big dark room you got me that's what hope is and there is a hope there whenever God makes a promise for something that gives us hope in our hearts and, and you don't have to you don't have to hear anybody say it you don't have to hear a sermon on it it just comes to every human being automatically there is hope in us for something uh, for a better day or for something that's what keeps us getting up every morning it's a hope for a good life it's a hope for this day will turn out well that's why we make plans every day because we have hope so without that we would have nothing and hope came because God made a promise to them in the garden had he not done that man would walk through life hopeless and condemned and condemned to to um everlasting judgment uh, through all generations so what gave God what gave Adam and his descendants hope was the fact that God killed an animal and covered them with the skins of the animal and shed blood for their misdeeds and their sins and their misgivings so God set that up as a way for them to always be able to contact him was through the offering and the sacrifice and the shed blood and so whenever uh, uh, the any man on earth I, mean, I don't care how uh, where you go on earth you will find this element of worship involved in humankind it's just, it's just universally accepted as a way to contact 
an unknown God. If you don't have relationship with God, it's a way to contact Him. Uh, when when um, Elijah was at Mount Carmel with the the um, prophets of Baal, remember they cut themselves, shedding blood, to please the God that they thought they were calling on. They they didn't have a real name for Him. They had all kinds of names for gods. But the element of shed blood and sacrifice has been uh, part of worship uh, since since man was created. There isn't a a place where you can go in the earth where there isn't a history of people making animal sacrifices and shedding blood for atonement of sin and a way to contact God and so this was set up for Adam uh, to be able to to uh, worship God and get to know God I believe that that Adam and his descendants lived you know the, they lived uh, almost a thousand years back during Adam's time all the way down to Noah I think Noah was in the 300s before God destroyed all of the earth but they lived an exceptionally long time and I believe it's because of this simple atonement sacrifice that God set up where they would set up an altar dedicated to God you don't just worship God any old way you know it's got to be some purity and holiness there but they set up an altar that was dedicated to God and that's where they made sacrifices remember Cain and Abel amen Abel made a sacrifice acceptable to God it was the one God required Cain threw away his leftovers and just gave God whatever and and Cain's sin mounted up so much in his mind that he had to do something wicked to you see what I'm saying whereas Abel the reason Abel didn't have that same behavior is because he gave the appropriate sacrifice and his sins were forgiven so he walked around sin free if he made a mistake he went to God with an animal sacrifice and his sin was was atoned for and it was it was removed and he was set free so he was in a good attitude a good disposition the Bible says Cain was looking mad all the time and why God said why why is your face drawn down? Why is your countenance sad? Would you not be accepted just like your brother if you did the right thing? And so it was the, the animal sacrifice that made the connection between God and man and it still does. Jesus was the one true final sacrifice amen but the ones that we had before taught us about God so that's what God started doing he went about teaching man about himself so in in that way God made a way he had to make a way for man to decide to return to fellowship with him and live the good life again whereas when when he was when in darkness they were separated from God in atonement there is a way for man to to decide to return to fellowship with God and live the good life again so God had to provide a way for man uh, to, to be forgiven for his sins so he promised to send another man to redeem or pay the price for salvation now that's in Genesis 3 Maybe I'll turn over there just so you'll be able to connect all your dots together. Uh, in Genesis 3, uh, you know, in start like in verse 14 or so, God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed above all cattle, above every beast of the field. Upon your belly you shall go, thus shall you eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed, and it will bruise 
thy head so he's talking about the seed of the woman shall bruise satan's head and you shall bruise his heel so satan can you know do a little damage to human flesh but in the end the son of god the, the redeemer wins out unto the woman he said i will greatly multiply your sorrow and conception and sorrow you shall bring forth children your desire will be toward your husband anyway and he shall rule over you so this was not the way it was before they fell to adam he said because you hearken unto the voice of your wife and eaten of the tree which i com- commanded you saying you shall not eat of it now this doesn't mean it's wrong to listen to your wife all the time Amen. only if she's telling you to do wrong Amen. Because <laughs> she's telling you to disobey God or enticing you to disobey God, you don't listen to her. You don't listen to anybody who tells you to disobey God. Cursed is the ground for your sake, and sorrow you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles shall it bring forth to you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground for out of it you were taken and dust you are and dust you shall return. Adam called his wife Eve, her name Eve, because she was the mother of all living things. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord make coats of skins and clothed them. Amen. He made coats of skins and clothed them. So it says in verse 24, Therefore God sent them forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. And so Adam, uh, Adam and Eve being expelled from the Garden now were left on their own. They still have dominion over the earth. They're left on their own to fend for themselves though. But God has made a way for them to get back. You see that here. When he slew the animal, took coats of skins and clothed them. That was their temporary covering until the real glory of God would come back to them. Prior to this, they were clothed in the presence of God and the glory of God. The Bible says they were naked and not ashamed. But it's it's uh, apparent that they they had to have some protection from the elements, etc., etc. So they had a clothing that was invisible, that was God-given, which was the Spirit of God. Because they walked with God all the time. And so his presence then is always a clothing for us. We need that now. So they didn't live in a lesser uh, state than what we can live in with the with the uh, new covenant. The blood atonement provides the same thing all the time. It never changes, and so it provided for them before they sinned. They they God had provided for them a uh, clothing of His Spirit and something to draw them to Him. And so God promises then to send a redeemer. He says that he will send a son through the woman and he will crush the devil's head. And so he is he is promising there a redeemer and really that's the what we kind of hear in our hearts when we get in trouble and we start crying out to God. See there's something there implanted in the souls of man that is inherited and passed down from generation to generation and from person to person. There's a knowing on the inside of you that something bigger than you is out there somewhere. And that something you're, you, you think that something is not friendly to you, which is true. But then there's a little glimmer of hope that maybe if that person is God, he might help you. And so that's all you need. 
really to come to salvation that's all you need to 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 get into relationship with is that little glimmer of hope there's somewhere on the inside of you that says there's something or somebody out there somewhere that can bring me hope and that can help me and so this is what we rely on folks to and when you witness to others you rely on that same little glimmer of hope on the inside of them that, that you're there to ignite that and quicken that and give life to it so that person can see the light of salvation so he promised to send another man to redeem or pay the price for salvation that price was that the satan would bruise his heel you got me that's the price he says everyone who for salvation for everyone who desires salvation he also had to prepare a way for man to know he wanted him back because sin makes us feel god is our enemy and does not love us see if you can and and that's a good place to be because there are many people who don't have that awareness they feel that sometimes but you know you can walk out from under that you know that little prick in your conscience yeah i can remember when i was was wasn't saved and i would just feel sometimes i didn't feel good about myself and i would think well maybe i should go to church and I start going to church and you feel your that little thing gnawing conscience. You kind of like check yourself off on every Sunday. If you miss one, you feel bad because you can't check yourself off. It's nothing to do with relationship with God. It's nothing to do with what God really has called you to. But it's better than nothing. You know, it's a step in the right direction. That's, that's what I always would say. I say if anything that drew you to the house of God was a step in the right direction. Because there will come a time if you're there and God and you really begin to be touched by the spirit of God and you cry out to God then there's a possibility God will answer you and you'll receive Christ so we we have to look at those things as steps in the right direction now I believe if 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 God sets up a place of worship they need to preach the word and preach the truth and we know many churches are nothing more than social places and so i know there were many churches i left because after a while you just didn't feel so guilty anymore and you went on about your center life you know you got over your your whatever you felt and you kept going but uh, there was a day when god uh, i really really needed god and i cried out to him and he answered me in the form of salvation and so i believe that will come to people especially if you pray for them you know if you intercede for people that god doesn't disappoint it's his idea to save people it's not ours so he's not saying no to salvation he's saying yes amen he's not saying no to people filling up these seats he's saying yes amen so we have to realize we are doing god's work and we are on his side when we do these things so he also had to prepare a way for man to know he wanted him back because sin makes us feel god is our enemy and does not love us so god began to teach man how to get his life in god back and that's where he began to send prophets he began to send words to to people he called out a nation uh he found one man abraham who would obey him continually everybody can obey god uh till you get out of trouble you know he's not your get out of jail free card but god is god and he wants people to learn enough about him to know that it's best to serve him continually so he begins to teach man how to get his life back in god 
So he sent prophets to tell about a man who would come and rescue the people of God and also the people of the world at large. So he would be the Messiah, Jesus, but he would also be the Son of God. Now when God starts laying all of this out, he has to form a plan for how to get man back into fellowship with him actually man has been hijacked from God by Satan through deception and God never loses anything so we are are his children he wants us back and that's the 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 overriding motivation of God it's love to desire us because it's best for us to live for God and he knows it he doesn't like seeing his children estranged from him it's like any in any family you know it would uh, you know there's something wrong if your children left home and and they're serving God and they're on their own and they're doing fine you're at peace but if they leave angry and they don't want to come back and don't want to talk to you there's something wrong and so you want to mend that relationship and so God devises a way to make man aware that his heart longs for him amen that's what God wants man to know he wants you to know that that he wants you back and he loves you and he cares for you and your life would be a lot better even if you think you got a good life it would be so much better if God were in control of it and you were born of God's spirit so God finds a man Abraham who will serve him continually God has many people uh, on the face of the earth I believe at that time that would reach out to him here and there you know, just like we do. You know, there are people that, you know, there are people, some people, they're professional prayer moochers from you. They'll say, oh, yeah, well, you, can you pray for me? I need so and so and such and such. And you say, yeah, why don't you come to church with me sometime? They never want to do that. Some of them don't even want to pray the sinner's prayer with you so they can be saved. But they're professional. And there are people about like that, I believe, scattered throughout the whole earth forever. There have always been people that would cry out to God. But Abraham was the man God found who would serve him continually. And that's what he wants. Somebody who will serve him continually. And through Abraham and Abraham's seed, God is able to teach the world who he is. He starts to demonstrate that he's a holy God. When you're oppressed by somebody, he comes to your rescue. He takes the oppression away. And so he starts to demonstrate his love, his goodness, his holiness, his kindness. He demonstrates all of those things throughout uh, the course of, of his interaction with Abraham and Abraham's seed who were uh Uh, Jacob and Isaac uh, Isaac and Jacob and so Jacob's descendants then became the 12 tribes of Israel and through that Moses came forth and God spoke the law to Moses and he began to have men to write things down and formalize teaching about himself God always wants us to learn about him because when you're in darkness and you're ignorant you don't know deadly and so you got to learn and so we're ever learning the things of God throughout when you if you pray and interact with God you learn something different about God you didn't know five minutes ago so he's always revealing himself to us teaching us encouraging us helping us to know him more and more and I think 
if we get an understanding of God's great love for us and humanity that would cause us to be encouraged more when we go out to witness and you know and it's good to interact with people I love interacting with people uh, where the things of God is concerned and so we really need to delve in there and convince people that it's going to be best for them to get to know God too and so it's, it's just good to know that know, know that the love of God is so important for people to know about so God uh, decides uh, or not decides but he, this was always in his plan you know for man he knew when he created man everything that we would do no we disobey no we get estranged from him no he'd have to send his son to go retrieve us you know and so uh, he God begins to talk more through the prophets and describe who this savior would be he talks about his qualities he talks about the things that he's going to do uh, for the people for the nation of Israel nowhere did God promise that his son would come and make us rich amen he was not the God of this world so he's not so much concerned with this world's goods and just enough for us to be able to manage our lives in this world and be have lordship over things you know he wants he wants us to rule and reign with him that's most important to God that we would be here to stand against evil and to stand for holiness and righteousness that's that's what ruling and reigning means it really means to promote uh, righteousness and to condemn evil you know and stop evil so God needed a sinless man the only one who qualified was his son every other man is born in sin and shaped in iniquity so Jesus volunteered to leave heaven and show us what what uh, living for God would be like. So he lived as an example for man as to how we would live in the world when we live for God. When God came back into our hearts, how we would live, Jesus demonstrates. Acts 10.38 sums it up. It says Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. And so that's what we want. We want God with us. Amen. And that's God wants that for us. And so the way Jesus lived is the way we're supposed to live. I think when we go through the Gospels, we have to be very, very cognizant of how Jesus responded to people. How he spoke to people, what he was after in conversations with people. And at all times he was after revealing Christ, uh, revealing God the Father to them. Amen. So he's always trying to explain to us the love of God and help us to enter into relationship with God. That's always uppermost on his mind. Uh, Even when he was on his way to the cross, some of the responses he gave to Pilate, you could see that he wasn't trying to help himself. He's trying to help Pilate. You understand what I'm saying? It's like Jesus knew he was saying, man, didn't your wife have a dream about me already? (laughs) You know, and even though he knew Pilate was going to sentence him to death, that didn't mean Pilate had to die and go to hell too. He had a chance for salvation. And so you see that in every conversation Jesus has, he's trying to lead, open up truth to people and lead them to repentance. Why? Because that was what was said about him. The Messiah would lead men into all truth and atone for their sins. 
where it says, uh, um, sorry, um, he gave us, he came to give us eternal life. 1 John 5.11 tells us, this is eternal life, to believe on the only begotten Son of God. And so in believing his words, believing what he says, believing enough to give him your life, turn away from a life of sin, give him your life, that's eternal life. That's what he came for. The only way he could atone for our sins, and the only way he could give us eternal life was to first atone for our sins. Now you don't get the life of God and get the life of uh, carnality at the same time. Now you might not want to obey God and live as a carnal person, but you there's no such thing as giving your life to Christ and going off in sin at the same time. You know, there's something not right, something didn't click in right is what I tell people. It, it, you know, I call it conversion. You know, the Bible uh, when Jesus talked to Peter, he told him Satan is desired to sift you like wheat. Amen. He said, but I prayed for you and your faith won't fail. So when people have received Christ by confession, he's praying for them. Their faith won't fail if they continue in the faith. And he said, and when you are converted, so Peter wasn't converted at that time. You could tell because when Jesus was being uh, condemned and in question, Peter denied him three times. So Peter could swing both ways. Peter liked Peter sometimes. He liked Jesus sometimes. And so that's where people do when they're not converted. They, they'll come to church with you when they feel like coming to church. They'll ask you to pray when they need prayer. But they won't get 100% involved themselves. They're still trying to hold on to something some sin or something they like from the world hold on to themselves they think you know that's they think that's all there is you know i think there are people like that they think what you're doing is overboard and fanatical and what they're doing is okay because i'm i'm normal and i can have god too but you know we know it's different so uh, so Jesus then uh, is able to help us to understand these things by showing us his way. And so he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. God was with him. He offered eternal life. That eternal life comes with the conversion. And so many times God is working with people to get them converted. They'll come to church all the time and go out and drink and smoke and cuss and, you know, be ill-tempered. That's not being controlled by the Holy Spirit. You know, they'll do some things right where they can manage it through self-control but a converted soul hungers for God hungers to be like God and wants to stay close to God they don't want to stay estranged from God and living on their own you know when you got saved you you said you didn't want that anymore so a converted soul is somebody whose mind is given over to God when you're born again your spirit is is quickened with God's life But your mind has to be converted because your mind is where you live most of the time. Your mind tells you what you're going to do, what tells you what you want to do, tells you all these things. And so we're converted through the renewing of our minds. Amen. So when your mind is renewed and you renew your mind every day. Every day you challenge 
the old way of thinking and pick up God's word and start meditating on that until that's all you believe anymore so there's a little work involved it's not for the lazy person it's not for the person who just wants God on the days where you have service it's for the person that wants God every day and that's what Adam had he had relationship with God every single day so if you tap into the mind of Christ that's what's available to you and that means that you don't know everything God the Father knows you know what Jesus would know in your place and so when you tap into the mind of Christ you can begin to harmonize with God the Father and walk in peace with him walk in obedience to him and it's not a strain to you you know Uh, obeying God is not a strain to people whose souls are converted and their minds are being renewed amen you know we all get under uh, pressure with you know bills or something like that but there's got to be a place where if you're converted you give that over to God and you know he's working it out for you you know you don't stay in a bad mood because you got a uh, extra bill or you're, you're pressured or something like that and you get solutions from God you look to him for for your solutions so he says and God we, so the wages of sin is death and we we know that but if you can get somebody qualified to pay for your sins with his life then God will accept that payment and Jesus is the only one that fit the bill so who would give his life for a sinner only someone with great love somebody with the greatest love so we're back to John 3:16 again God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe on him would not perish but have everlasting life so Jesus came into the world and was hated for no reason so he knows what it is like when we are hated so he forgives us and gives us the power to forgive others and that's the that's the essence of the atonement is the forgiveness of sins and for you having the ability to forgive others of their sins in Matthew 6:15 Jesus commanded us to forgive others he said if you don't forgive your father in heaven will not forgive you it's the only thing that a guy you know everything is kind of a a grace a freedom and a grace to it but there's a penalty if we don't extend to others what God extended to us and why would we not do it there's got to be something evil brewing in us see if, if the love of God is really dwelling richly in your heart forgiveness is no problem you just do it you just say God I forgive this person in fact you're eager to forgive because you don't want to be separated from God you won't have anything against you and you don't when you go when you have a need you want that need to be met so you understand how expensive it is to hold grudges to to hang on to anger uh, to be in a bad mood and, and offend somebody for no reason you understand all that stuff so people who walk in love and, and want to forgive are quick to forgive and are quick to seek forgiveness from others and so this is how God has ordained that we live in harmony as Christians down here he's not you know don't come to me and tell me so and so said something mean to you and I gotta go that's what you did with your mama I ain't your mama I'm your pastor you understand what I'm saying after a while if your mama was smart she told you to get out her face with that everybody hates a tattletale you know deep inside <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
And it's not scriptural that you resolve conflict that way. A scriptural way. The Bible says if somebody offends you and and you you go to them, but you go to them in peace. You don't go, you know, I'm going to beat you up. If you you said so-and-so made me mad. Huh? <laughs> people, some people are unforgiving. They just always remember. If you t- say somebody's name, they remember something negative about them. And so, you know, you, we have to live above that. God's gift. I mean, you didn't pay the price for this. This was free to you. What's it costing you to forgive somebody? What's it costing you to let them off the hook? You know. So, you know, you you have to do that. And people sometimes people have. Uh, um, um, wrong ideas about people you know I mean if you're and I'll just give a few from my experience as a pastor and a leader people think I'm supposed to do everything they think I'm supposed to do instead of me telling them what God told me to do and being a blessing to them you know and, and so you, you have this weird idea coming from people that uh, I can never be upset with you even though you don't do anything I tell you to do you don't cooperate you don't give you don't do nothing I'm supposed to love you and be nice to you well I get tired of that you understand I'm trying to make it through life just like you are seriously uh, you know <laughs> and if I offend you, if I'm sharp or something, please forgive me. I'll ask your forgiveness, but quit rubbing me the wrong way. You know, people can only take so much. And you think I'm I'm trying to keep a, a church or a meeting going here, and everybody's got an excuse for why they can't do something when I ask them to do it. That's frustrating. You understand me? It's a lot of pressure. And so some people can do it better than others, but you know, let's let's face it folks things get ground to a halt you don't like that kind of stuff and so I'm about trying to do the father's business I'm not mad at you because you don't give me more money I'm not mad at you because you don't buy me nice things I'm not mad at you because you don't take me to dinner (laughs) we're trying to win souls here this is not a club you know sometimes you have to remind people of that stuff jeez I do the best I can with my resources you know I really do so you know yeah well you know I mean sometimes we rub each other the wrong way but let's commonly forgive each other let's not this is wrong because they did it to me who you think you are huh you do it to somebody and you know you have so in, in Matthew six fifteen, but if you forgive not men their trespasses neither will your father forgive you yours so if you withhold forgiveness and you tighten up you're hurting yourself before God because he's not let releasing you for yours you can't hold somebody in jail you know there's a parable Jesus told about the man that owed a little bit and went to the guy he owed it to and the guy forgave him uh, and no he owed him a lot and went to this guy and the guy forgave him the debt he went free then he ran into a brother that owed him a little bit he took him to court and had him locked up and all that stuff so that's the essence of forgiveness and God Jesus rebuked him he said uh uh-uh, I'm casting you in jail too because if it's good enough for you to put somebody in there and that's the way you feel about debts then that's the way you feel about debt so 
you know we we kind of create our own madness sometimes if, if we're not careful so God wants us to be loving and forgiving people I mean the way he's given us to get along with people is through forgiveness and I think it's wonderful because we all have to forgive everybody if we're going to get along and so everybody must obey God's rules he's got no favorites Jesus died for the sins of the whole world and he's no respecter of persons he doesn't love some people more than others and that's why he works with them he works with everybody who will obey his rules Isaiah 53 tells the story of the Messiah in the Old Testament this is a good encapsulation of, of what, what will happen uh, on Easter when Jesus goes to the cross in Isaiah 53 verse 1 who has believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed he shall grow up before him as a tender plant as a root out of dry ground he has no form of comeliness and we shall see him there is no beauty that we should desire him so they say Jesus grew up as a tender plant like a normal human being he wasn't special he wasn't he was just kind of ordinary is is the way it describes him when he he starts out but at the end it says he he was he is despised and rejected of men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and we hid as it were our faces from him but he was despised and we esteemed him not so nobody went to his defense uh, he, when it says he grew up as a tender plant it means he didn't grow up offending people he didn't grow up with the motivation to do wrong to do harm he was a meek and tender and gentle person but he was hated and it gives you the impression for no good reason amen and it says he was despised and we esteemed him not so nobody uh, felt felt that they had to come to his defense or his aid surely though he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows yet we esteemed him stricken smitten of God and afflicted but he was wounded for our transgress so this is the reason he was hated for us in our place he was hated he was wounded in our place he was bruised in our place he was chastised for our peace in our place and with his stripes we are healed so he did everything in our place all we like sheep have gone astray we've turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of all of us he was oppressed he was afflicted yet he opened not his mouth he is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shearers is dumb so he opened not his mouth he was taken from prison and judgment and who shall declare his generation for he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people he was stricken so he wasn't killed because of him he was killed because of us and he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he had done no violence neither was any deceit in his mouth yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him he hath put him to grief when you shall make us his soul when he when God makes his soul an offering for sin he shall see his seed and he shall prolong his days so Jesus had no seed in the earth until he died man we're his seed he had to give up his life in order to get us
and the pleasure of the Lord, Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. Amen. So God's satisfied with what Jesus went through. He went through it to satisfy a debt. That's what pleased God. It didn't give him joy seeing his son beaten up and disrespected. But God being a God of love, the greater love was what that that one uh, atoning life would bring forth. And so he loved his son in, enough for, uh, to allow him to die in our place. And he loved us enough to take his son's death as an atonement for all sin. It says it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He put him to grief. And he says he will, when he has made his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed and prolong his days. So that's how Jesus gets an extension on life as well. Because mankind was, was created to live eternally in the presence of God. A man born of the Spirit of God, living eternally in the presence of God. He said he shall see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. So that means the debt's paid. Not satisfied he's getting beat up. He'll see his soul travail and say that's enough to pay this debt that we can't pay. He says by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he has poured out his soul unto death and he was numbered with the transgressors and he bare the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. So you see here he is a priest as well as an offering. Amen. He's making intercession for the transgressions. We don't have a we don't have a priest yet that gave his life in intercession. In a way, one way of intercession is to give your life. We do it all the time. You could be out kicking it or going shopping or anything, but you come here to pray. So this part, this part of intercession and giving your life to intercede for others is part of the priesthood of Jesus Christ. So. In uh, Isaiah 53, we just read it. It tells the story of Jesus' payment for our sins. Isaiah foretold it. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John witnessed it. So we had four witnesses that left written records to Isaiah's prophecy about the Messiah being fulfilled. So, uh, let me see. Yeah, they witnessed it and left the record of what Jesus suffered and how God raised him from the dead. So everything that he went through, bruised, beaten, people not esteeming him, that's all recorded that he actually fulfilled all of that. In Mark 14, we'll, we'll do the account of, of Jesus' crucifixion from the book of Mark. Starting in verse 14 where Judas betrays him. The last supper was really a covenant meal where where Jesus really in doing that he's, uh, what did I say, Luke? Yeah, Mark 14. That's why I'm in the book of Mark. I knew that. Praise the Lord. Okay. 
part 14 I think it's verse 10 we see uh, Judas just fulfilling what, what he set out to do God could have used any wicked person you know <laughs> anybody <laughs> any of them 12 could have been Judas you know what I'm saying so you know it just happened that they were all called something different to a, a different role there but in verse 10 and Judas Iscariot one of the 12 went to the chief priests to betray him unto them and when they heard it they were glad the evil people are glad when righteous people when something bad happens to righteous people they always rejoice at that and promised to give him money and he thought how he might conveniently betray Jesus if you drop down to verse 22 you see the last supper he says that they this is the Passover meal what we call the last supper because it was the last Passover meal Passover is is definitely Old Testament. I know there are a lot of good teachers and they teach a lot of good good revelation on the uh, uh, <clears throat> uh, Passover meals and what they meant and all that. But they don't have that meaning anymore. Uh, once the Messiah has come, all of that stuff is done away with it. Now, I learn a lot through types and shadows, but I have to live in the present reality in the new covenant so the new covenant understanding of it is much much better for us uh, because really Jesus never told us how often to take communion when to take it but he did tell us what it meant and I think it's much better to do these things with meaning than it is to do them just under the law because there were lots of Jews that obeyed this ritual every year and it really meant almost nothing to them because it couldn't have because they would have recognized Jesus when he came so keeping those rituals never helped them recognize him what helped them recognize him would have been uh, John the Baptist preaching that the Messiah was coming he actually said those words he said somebody's coming after me his you know he is the Messiah you know in other words and and so it's just one of those things where people can want something but if they don't stay attentive to it coming to them they won't recognize it same thing is true now it's always true that way about spiritual things and so it says you know that 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 the hope of Israel was come those who hoped for the Messiah to come would see him and so it's you know some of them did and some of them didn't the disciples were fortunate because they had Jesus to teach them these things as they went along so anybody who would follow him could get greater understanding and could know but in the end you know everybody missed it so you know a couple ladies people like that here and there understood what was going to happen because they believed all of his words it's interesting when God starts telling you stuff you don't like or you don't want to hear you to shut your ears down off of it and none of the disciples want to hear that Jesus was going to die because they were all living off what they could get from him got me so I mean that's just the way it is so anyway but that didn't stop them from you know coming back and coming back and coming back you know that's what you do and verse 22 then he's having the Passover meal it says as they did eat Jesus took bread blessed it and broke it gave it to them this is my body so see this this is not the Passover meal anymore this is different 
You never they never had anybody sit at that Passover table and tell them this is my body broken for you. So this being the last Passover because it's no longer a lamb that they're killing. Uh, a natural lamb and they're going to do this over and as long as the lamb was involved you got to do it every year when he's involved it stops you got me so it's no longer a Passover he took the cup and when he had given thanks he gave it to them and they drank all of it and he said to them this is my blood in the New Testament which is shed for many so this is the reality of what those old Passover meals were supposed to be truly I say to you I will drink no more of the fruit of the vine until the day that I drink it new in the kingdom of God and when they had sung a hymn they went unto the Mount of Olives and so that was where Jesus went through a lot of grief he went through a lot of intercession to prepare himself for going to the cross so if you go now to verse 61 it says um you can see where some of the things in Isaiah 53 are being uh, fulfilled where it says that, that he was sent as a sheep dumb to his shears he opened not his mouth he never defended himself and he says verse 60 the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus saying are you answering nothing uh, which is what is it which these witnesses say against you or, or aren't you going to defend yourself but he held his peace and answered nothing again the high priest asked him and he said and and said to him are you the Christ the son of the blessed and Jesus said I am and you shall see the son of man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven and then the high priest tore his clothes and said what do we need any more further witnesses you have heard his blessing blasphemy what do you think and they condemned him to be guilty of death and some began to spit on him to cover his face he was despised and rejected all of that is coming to pass and to buffet him and say to him prophesy and the servants did strike him with the palms of their hands so he was despised and rejected we esteemed him not in other words nobody came to his rescue nobody came to his defense in mark 15 we see where he faces Pilate. We see 15. Now Pilate has the power to spare his natural life. Pilate has nothing to do with everlasting life. So Pilate lets the Jews decide Jesus' fate. He tells them, I'm not, uh, you know, going to do anything. And, and all of this kind of, you know, uh, he's trying to get him to defend himself. In verse 4, Pilate asked him again, saying, Are you answering nothing? how many things they witnessed against you but Jesus answered nothing so Pilate marveled and he says that the feast in verse 6 they released to them one prisoner whoever they wanted so there was a little uh, a little um, clemency that the Romans did for the Jews so they would release one prisoner in honor of their Passover Okay, in honor of their holiday. And there was one named Barabbas, which lay bound with them that had made insurrection, who had committed murder in the insurrection. So he, this guy's tried to overthrow the Roman government and murdered somebody. The multitude crying aloud began to desire him to do as he had ever done to them. So Pilate answered him saying, what, what uh, will you that I release to you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priest had delivered him from envy. So anybody could see through why they were crucifying Jesus. 
But the chief priests moved, moved the people that they should rather release Barabbas to them. And Pilate answered and said to them, What then should you do with the one you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out, Crucify him. And he said, Why? What evil has he done? They cried more, Crucify him. So Pilate went along with the people. The soldiers led Jesus away in verse 16 to the hall of Praetorium. And if you'll drop down to 33 where Jesus finally dies on the cross, gives up his own life. They didn't kill him. He gave his life up. And verse 33, when the sixth hour was come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. So Jesus, when you take the light away from the world, darkness takes over. Amen. Until the light is rekindled and at the ninth hour Jesus cried with a loud voice saying my God my God why have you forsaken me some of them that stood by when they heard it said behold he calls Elijah they tried to give him something to drink and he he wouldn't drink it Verse 42, when the evening was come, because it was the preparation day that is the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, an honorable counselor, which had waited for the kingdom of God, came and went boldly into Pilate and craved the body of Jesus. We need to do that. you know. We need to go to God and crave for the rest of the body of Christ to be born again and come into the kingdom. Amen. So we can, we can be like that and we can petition God and get people saved. And so um, Pilate then, uh, I'm sorry, Joseph of Arimathea fulfills that prophecy that says that he made his grave with the rich. And Joseph was a wealthy man, amen, and was sinners because he didn't have a holy grave like the patriarchs had and all. He was buried with the common people. And so Pilate marveled that he was already dead and he called a centurion and asked him if he had been any while dead. And when he knew it, of it, the centurion gave up the, the body to Joseph. He brought fine linen, took him down, wrapped him in a linen and laid him in a sepulcher which was hewn out of a rock and rolled a stone unto the door of the sepulcher and Mary and let me see the mother Joseph beheld where he was laid now in verse chapter 16 and verse 1 when the Sabbath was passed Mary Magdalene Mary the brother of James Salome had brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him so they think he's going to remain dead now you'll have people there were people a little bit here and there that believed Jesus would be raised from the dead and I think the only one who really believed it was Mary the one who anointed him with the perfume remember Uh, she was at uh, whose house was she at? Simon. It was Simon uh, the leper's house. And uh, she, he said, this woman has anointed me unto my burial. You got me? So all of these people who were believing Jesus, you can maybe count on one hand or maybe one person who really believed he was going to die. I'm not sure who believed he was going to be raised up again because the women who showed up at the grave aren't looking for a live man. They're looking for somebody. They're looking for his body not to to rot. They still need to embalm him is what, what they believe. 
And so very early in the morning, verse 2, first day of the week, they came to the sepulcher at the rising of the sun, and they said among themselves, Who shall roll away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? When they looked, they saw that the stone was already rolled away, for it was very big. So it wasn't like something that one person could do. You had to have a team of people. In fact, they show some some tombs like that, and you know somebody would have to take a, 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 a like a a um some kind of a lever to get underneath that stone and put pressure against it so that it can be rolled out from in front of that doorway. And so he says, entering to the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were frightened. And he said to them, Be not affrighted. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where he laid them. So there was evidence that he would been in that grave and there was now evidence that he had left he said but go your way and tell his disciples and Peter that he goes before you into Galilee there you shall see him as he said unto you and they went out quickly fled from the sepulcher for they trembled and were amazed but they didn't say anything to any man for they were afraid now when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week he appeared first to Mary Magdalene of whom he had cast out seven devils and she went and told them that he he had been with him as they mourned and wept. So she didn't really follow the angel's instructions. Jesus appeared to her and then she was able to tell that he was alive. And when they when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her they believed not. So you'll see this over and over and over again that people will give the report that Jesus is alive but he has to appear to them for them to believe it and that's true now you can tell people about the Lord all you want to but until they get a real revelation of Christ a personal revelation of Christ people will not believe and so that's what we we can pray for one of the things that you can pray for people God reveal yourself to them let them know you're real let them know you're good let them know your character we have preached what we can preach and we have planted seeds but you must give the increase in these people God so we're depending on you not us not our efforts not our energy not our words but we depend totally on God that people would hear and believe and be converted so praise God so why don't we stop Father we thank you we bless you and praise you thank you Lord that you are risen and you're risen in us you live in us as the risen Savior and we thank you Lord that we have an example to follow in you we have a good example of how to live how to worship God how to relate to God and to humanity so we thank you for that opportunity Lord in Jesus name amen and